DJ and PK, David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, joins us now. He is on the Sprint special guest line. Lease any phone and get an iPad or Samsung Tab A for $99.99. Visit the Sprint store nearest you. David, good morning. You know, I know it's the Sprint special guest line, mm-hmm. but like when I'm on four times a week, aren't I really not that special at that point? You aren't the line is, I guess, would be the answer to that, but that seems harsh. So I don't really like right, saying so- it. I guess it really depends, like, where you're putting the adjective special. So is it Sprint that's special? <laughs> is it the guest that's special? Or is it the actual I, hotline? I just, and that, I, would really, that would really have to do with how the... Like, I'd have to go back to Norma Pfeiffer and ninth grade English and, you know, diagramming sentences, which I actually enjoyed. Oh, about 20 years, there's a program director who told me, just read the liner, David, and move on. Well, I'm not. I'm analyzing the liner. I want to know the efficiency of the liner. You, I want to know the appropriate you grammatical structure of the liner. <laughs> you hypocrite. <laughs> All right, so you are the king of numbers. We know that. And the numbers can often help you tell us uh, what happened. But why did it happen? Why have the Jazz gone on these two losing streaks, which that could be explained easily enough if there wasn't such an impressive winning streak. Four games in a row isn't that big a streak, but they beat Houston and Miami during that streak. Those are two pretty good teams. How do you have that in the middle of a five-game losing streak and a four-game losing streak? How do you explain this roller coaster? What? What? Why, David? What? Well, I don't know entirely, but I, I think if I take a hypothesis at this over... Um, over the last 12 games, they're four and eight. And that 12 game stretch is the same time period in which Houston came out and played that lineup without Harden, without Westbrook and without Capella. And we lost and everyone was like, that's crazy. How you possibly lose that? And then Denver comes in with no players and actually causes us problems and wins. And we're like, how's that possible? Well, suddenly what happened in those games is that nobody had any other than Jokic, who was brilliant, nobody had centers. And so everyone suddenly played in these small lineups, and I think the league is brilliant. And so when the league suddenly has the ability to see something and the scouting and these coaches are so good that we've now seen generally at some point in most games someone emulating um, in different manners, what Houston did in that in those in that game against us, and Miami didn't really do that. Um, interestingly enough, so that's part of the reason. And Denver doesn't do it quite in the same way. And so our best defensive games over the last twelve games have been against the teams where they run their offense through a big, and the bigs in the middle of the floor, and Rudy can still have a large impact. We have struggled in half court defense. Uh, and we are allowing, you know, I can dig, I, I'll stop there. There's there's a million data points that I've pulled out, some of which actually are a little more encouraging than others. Okay, so the discouraging part, before we get to the encouraging part, we'll give people the bad news, but hold on, there's good news coming. So the bad news is that it's not just pulling Rudy to the three-point line that's a problem. It's pulling to a three-point line and to one side of the court, and the other team's attacking the other side. It's both of those things, right? Yeah, we saw Boston a lot. They'd have Jalen Brown or Jason Tatum go one-on-one on the left side while they had their big spaced in the right corner. And so then Rudy's got to come across the paint to impact that shot if he's going to. Um, we're actually 
So here's the encouraging number. The defensive shot distribution that we're allowing, which is actually super important, is really still very good. Uh, we're allowing over the last 12 games, we're allowing the fewest shots of anyone in the league at the rim. That's, like, that's the key to the whole thing. Unfortunately, we're allowing an inordinately high percentage at the rim. So what that leads me to think is a combination of these two things. One is when Rudy still is around, teams aren't going to the rim. Teams are moving Rudy, and they're able to get to the rim, and when they do, they're getting there with relative ease and having an inordinate. I think they're 69% at the rim. League average is 63 over the last 12 games. Um, so that you know that's an example of what we're talking about. People are able to get to the rim and get really good shots. They're still not able to do it a lot. We're allowing the fewest amount of shots at the rim. We're allowing a, an inordinately high amount of shots in the paint non-restricted area which is close to the rim, but that's not usually a high-percentage shot. Now, again, I'd have to probably go back and watch. That's not a high-percentage shot because usually there's a big around there that's impacting that shot. If the big is not there to bother that shot, then maybe that four-, five-, seven-foot push shot's not that hard. Okay, so there was a bunch... And teams are shooting a pretty high percentage on those right now. Okay, so there's a bunch of bad news in there. Uh, the good news, what should people focus on? This is, what's, this is why they're coming out of this. PK was saying this earlier, like, they're, they're too good for this to keep up. They're coming out of it. It's horrific while they're in it, but they are coming out of it. Maybe not to the level people want. That, that could be a disappointment, but they're still coming out of this. So what's the good so news? Yeah, so let's go there. So we're, they're 27th in the league defensively in the last 12 games. They're not that. Okay, there's a bunch of stuff going on that's creating that that's not really a very – that's not a good sample of of what's taking place. Um, The – what they are um, might be that they're 15th, right? That's where they've been most of the year. Maybe that is all they are defensively. I think that's a legitimate – somewhat of a legitimate discussion. Why they'll come out of this is the three or four areas where they're really struggling – some are actually just kind of in unnatural shooting by the opponent, and then the other is, is something that I think they can fix. So, one, teams over the last four games are shooting 48% on above-the-break threes. Over the last 10 games, are shooting about 42%, and they're shooting at 38% over the last 12 games. That actually doesn't last, okay? That's just a small sample size. You've gotten unlucky. That'll come back down to the league average 36%. Um, we were on the right end of that for much of the year, and so that's a little bit of why we are the fourth-best team in the league defending that. And I would have told you, you know, hey, that's going to – you know, I would I have probably said before we're 15th in the league defensively and we're the fourth-best team against the above-the-break three. That's disconcerting. That's going to that's gonna come back to the league average. They all That number always regresses to the mean. So that one will come back. The other one is teams are shooting 49% on long twos right now. That's not going to last over the last 12 games. That's – that's an in unnatural number also. So those numbers will come back. So that solves a little bit of it. That probably gets us from 27th to about 20th. The good news is our shot distribution is right. So that will straighten it out a little bit. Um, and then the other relatively good news is that we're defensive rebounding great. And we're doing a good job of not fouling. Now, Jerry Sloan would tell you that the not fouling is because we're playing in a tuxedo. But yeah. um <laughs> You know, so that's that's a difficult one to try to figure out whether are we not fouling just because we're so soft right now, or are we not fouling because of the fact that we're um, that's good and generally it 
generally that's actually a good number is to not foul. Um, and then the here's the weird one, DJ. And, and I think this is a good sign unless it's not. Like, this is one of those you can decide which side you want to be on this. All right. So I was really surprised by this. I thought a major problem we were having was transition defense, um, that we were just so bad in transition off, missed, off um, live ball turnovers particularly or off misses. You know what? The numbers would tell you that in the last 12 games, we are really bad off their makes. Um, I think the number is we're about 1.16 points allowed on a make, 1.17 points allowed on a miss, and 1.18 on a turnover. Those should never be that close. Turnovers are always the worst defense. Misses are the second. And then we have been the number one team in the league off makes. I'm basing it on off a make, we should be able to have Rudy have an impact. That number should come back down. That settles things out. Maybe – Again, maybe only at 15th. There aren't a lot of indicators that say we're going to be a top 10 defense this year. Um, unless we've really been broken in the half court. Unless that Houston game and that stretch since then has really broken who we are defensively. And, you know, Mike D'Antoni had the quote the other night that said, if Rudy Gobert's at the rim, we're doing something wrong. And maybe people are finding a way to Rudy Gobert to not be at the rim. I believe that. I believe. I, I absolutely believe that there is an intense focus on pulling Rudy away from the win, rim because they know their odds of winning are so small if he is there. Now, the thing is, I think Houston's got the talent to do it. They can pull him away from the rim because of how skilled everybody else is and the way they play. But I don't think most teams have the talent to do that or are in the habit of playing that way. I think it's become a little harder recently. I actually think it's going to become much harder over time. I think there are teams that have the talent to do it, but maybe that's not how they're used to playing, but they're going to become used to it because the league is going to keep evolving. Minnesota, Dallas, Denver, the Lakers could all do that. Now, some of it's kind of tricky, like Denver, do they want to take the joker out in the middle of the floor? Because I was talking with you a while ago, and you brought up the point, it's not just moving him to the three-point line, it's about moving to the three-point line and the side. And the more I thought about it, the more I thought that really does give people a lot more room to operate. It gets them further away from him and gives them more options. But the thing is, Denver's whole offense is set up to have the Joker operate right in the middle of the floor. They really don't want to run him over on the side and run side pick and rolls with him. That's not how they play. So I think some of these teams could evolve to it over time. Certainly Dallas could. Now they got to get their guys healthy. They, you know, Porzingis has to be there and Doncic has to be there. Maybe they have to grow into it, but they can grow into it. And that, the long term, would worry me more than anything. Well, so you're getting into a bunch of things. Uh, uh, I'm going to take this really big picture. So I'm all in on the Rockets. Um, I think what they've done is brilliant. Yeah, okay. And yeah, but I wait, stop they, there. Stop there. Stop there, though. What they did, I'm, and I'm, I agree with you, there's a lot of things, but don't you have to have Harden to do it? If you do it well, without right, Harden, that, maybe you could do it with Doncic. Yeah. Maybe you could do it with Doncic. But. So that's, what I'm, that's my point is – what they've done is brilliant because of who their personnel is. Right. And they've found a way to maximize Russ, which they had to do because he was so detrimental beforehand. And they're going to go – they're going to close the year winning 25 of their last 29. 
They're, it's, they're going to be the number two seed. They will be the talk of the next month of the NBA season. Um, there'll be a, a really absurd conversation of whether it actually can. I don't know if it works in a playoffs when everyone can prepare for it. I don't know why. I don't think it will if it works every other time. But I'm certain that teams cannot prepare for them in the regular season in their five switching. What's going to happen, because they're going to close the year winning 24 of their final 28 or 25 of their final, whatever it is, the rest of the league is going to try to emulate it next year. Similar to the way that everyone tried to emulate the Warriors. The Warriors were able to do what the Warriors did because they had Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, and Draymond Green. And the Rockets were able to do what they're able to do because they have Robert Covington, James Harden, and Russell Westbrook. And teams are going to try to emulate it and going to do it very, very badly and look foolish the same way numerous teams did try Washington, who's in town, one of them, to emulate the Warriors. So I, I agree with you. This is where it's going, but you have to have the personnel to do it. So the problem is that the Jazz have gotten so good and everybody wants them to get better and everybody wants the championship. I kind of think the way the talent's going, there will always be a couple teams that can play this way. Quite frankly, you know, the Warriors are off our radar and we don't know who they're going to draft or trade for or acquire. Their roster's in flux. We've already seen that with D'Angelo Russell coming and going. Um, but how much are they going to look at the Rockets and what they do and emulate them? And how much are they going to be trying to do the same thing? Because what really matters is how do these teams play against the Jazz, right? How they play against each other is interesting. But when you have someone as unique as Rudy, how they play against you is really important. And so are there always going to be two or three teams in the West that can do to the Jazz what the Rockets can do? And most of the teams can't. And, you know, what's happened recently, we kind of have to let the last week and a half go, and that's hard to do, and they've lost four in a row. You know, the Spurs and Suns losses just shouldn't have happened. But the other losses to Houston and Boston may be a case of, man, the top five to six teams in the league and the top two to three teams in the West may always be able to do this to a team that's constructed around an old-school shot-blocking center, even a mobile old-school shot-blocking center. Right. I mean, I think tonight gets really interesting. So Washington against Brooklyn played Jan Mahimi 20 minutes and played Thomas Bryant 15. So they, and then they played, so that was 35, and then they played Mo Wagner kind of as their next center for 13 minutes. Like, I don't know what they do. I'll be really, their centers aren't very good, right? I love Mo Wagner, but I mean, he's a second-year player and, I, I don't love him. I've, I love him just because I had a man crush on him in the draft, and he was like the 32nd pick, and he's turned out to be viable, so he makes me feel good about myself. Um, you know, it's just a personal thing. Yeah, sure. um, but I do kind of love his game. I loved him in the draft, and um, his game's really basic. He can't defend and he can't shoot. Uh, but I think it'll be really curious to watch. So here's a not very good basketball team uh, that's been about 500 for the last, you know, 15 games, and they – have don't have elite level centers, so do they just pull and play Shabazz Napier and Bradley Beal and Rui Hashimura and Davis Bertans as their center and Ish Smith, and they're suddenly just tiny? And because you know what, our centers aren't very good, so we don't care. And I think that gets really interesting in the league on the not very good teams who decide, you know what, our centers aren't good, so we're just not going to play them. Right. 
And so that, that could be an issue. And then can your team make 15 three-pointers the way the Rockets can night in and night out? Now, right. you know, Bradley Beal can go for 50 on any given night, apparently. Uh, but when there's only one, that's different than what the Rockets have. I mean, Harden's really, really good. But they've still surrounded him with other guys. If you leave to go help Harden, these other guys will beat you. So does, is Bradley Beal surrounded with guys? If they help on him, can the other guys hit open shots, like you say, from above the break, from where that three-point line, when it you know makes that sharp angle and goes towards the top of the key or just beyond it, uh, are guys going to be able to shoot from up there? Because if, if the Wizards have guys who can't do that, then the Jazz can figure it out and they can beat it. So I still think it comes down to the best teams, not all teams. But Jazz fans also don't want to keep getting knocked out in the second round of the playoffs either. So that's something to look at in the long run. All right, David, we'll leave it right there. I don't know what we solved, but uh, maybe something. Uh, And we know that you feel better about yourself, so you know that's a positive. And we've got the clip now. Yach, hold his clip on the Rockets, because this is either going to be awesome or it's going to be horrific. And either way, PK and I are going to find it really entertaining when we have him on in a couple months. You You are all in. That was bold. I love that, David. Oh, I don't even think it's bold. I just think the fact that Mo Wagner can make my life better makes a really sad statement of who I am. Okay. Thank you, David. See ya. David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz.